This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain and foolish thing against the Lord? They're against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their bands asunder, but the Lord will have them in derision. He says, Yet I have set my king on my holy hill. Well, until then, there will be many forces that will seek to set their own king on the holy hill, that is, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and will use Jerusalem as the means to gain access to the Temple Mount, and will use the engines of government, the engines of government not only in Israel, but also in the United States and elsewhere around the world, in order to gain that dominion. So today on Viewpoint, we're going to take an interesting look at Israel and the United States, particularly just Israel and the United States, And I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction talk that transforms. We're going to see some developments that are quite unique, quite interesting, paralleling what's happening in Israel with the United States, what's happening in the United States with regard to Israel. You see, the two lands, the only two lands on this planet that purport to have a godly covenantal beginning. Why is it that these two lands then, America and Israel, would also become the focus of much of the anti-God, anti-biblical prophetic purpose and plan with regard to Israel? Why would that be the case? Well, maybe it has to do with rejection, both in Israel and in America, of the very God who made and preserved us a nation and who made and preserved Israel as a nation. So with that having been said, I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. As always, ever-increasing conversation with commitment and conviction Uh, of heart and mind and soul and purpose and intent. So good to be with you again today. It is very hard for me to imagine how, since we've been on the air since May 7th, 1995, since May 7th, 1995, 27 years live every single day for an hour confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home, and also preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour, all at the same time, while discipling for destiny. And uh, quite frankly, I wonder sometimes how in the world do we ever, have we ever been able to continue providing fresh insights and uh, presentation to you as our listeners to strengthen and encourage your hearts, 
uh, to inform, but also to bring a message of transformation. I can only attribute that to the Holy Spirit, friends. Really, I mean that. It's not just theory. I can only attribute that to the Holy Spirit. You have no idea uh, how uh, I prepare for these various programs and how it can be that the actual focus of a particular program may not actually come into understanding until even a few minutes before the program. And that's what brings it together. That's what makes it what it is. And so I am so grateful to the Lord and his spirit for informing, for guiding, for correcting in righteousness, and uh, for the inspiration to be able to continue uh, to inspire and bring hope and a message of direction for God's people. All right. That having been said, I want to let you know that Team Biden, this is coming from the World Tribune, Team Biden has set the stage to reverse the U.S. recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Now, why would he do that? When he is on his way over to Israel, to the Middle East, and says that his trip there is an assurance, a demonstration of his absolute commitment to Israel and her future and protection. But it ain't true. It just is not true. You see, viewpoint determines destiny. It really does. And you can hear the words of someone, but it's their actions that actually define what they really believe, what their real intentions are. You may recall that during the Trump administration, uh, Donald Trump, one of the premier events of his presidency was to uh, recognize Jerusalem as the eternal capital of Israel. And as proof of that, move the American embassy to Jerusalem as the eternal capital of Israel, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. He didn't just talk about it. He did it. It wasn't a theory. It was a reality. Now, isn't it interesting that governments in the United States, both Democrat and Republican, for years and years and years, had refused to do that? The presidents punted time and time again based upon the threats from the State Department Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, because the State Department has always hated Israel. Always. If it had been up to the State Department, Israel would never have become a nation in uh, in, uh, 1948. President Truman had to rise courageously above the threats of the State Department in order to recognize Israel as a country from the position of the United States of America in 1948. So he deserves a great deal of credit for that courageous move. But since then, the presidents of the United States, notwithstanding the fact that the Congress of the United States voted to place the American embassy in Jerusalem, 
They refuse to do so. The presidents refuse to do so always every six months or so claiming, well, the time isn't not right. We can't do this. We can't do this. The threat is too great. It might upset our Arab neighbors. It might upset the uh, oil and gas industry. It might upset this. It might upset that. So they had no courage, both Republican and Democrat. Presidents had no courage whatsoever to do what the Congress already voted to do. Until Donald Trump. Donald Trump said, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to do the right thing from Israel's viewpoint. We're going to do the right thing from God's viewpoint. We're going to do the right thing from the Bible's viewpoint. And he did. And Israel recognized that indeed Donald Trump was a friend of Israel. Not so with Joseph Biden. And we'll see why in just a moment. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. The United States and Israel, where do we connect and disconnect? What's going on? What are the dynamics that are taking place even at this moment as we speak that are reflecting reflecting the battle for King of the Mountain? The battle for King of the Mountain. We wrote about that, if you'll recall, in the book King of the Mountain, the eternal epic and end-time battle for he who rules the Temple Mount rules the world. That book came out in 2013, and it is more relevant, more pertinent today than it was the day that I wrote it. It's amazing. It was actually written 12 years or 10 years ago. And now, here we are. The same battle going on, intensifying, taking on various unique political manifestations, including the United States via the Biden administration and even within Israel itself. Could you believe that even within Israel itself, they are finding it very difficult to even comprehend or value the Temple Mount? And why should we? Why should we value the Temple Mount? What in the world does that mean anyway? It's just a piece of 37 acres of uh, land. Why should we value that? Well, it's because God valued it. It's because God, in his word, declared, I have chosen to put my name there. I've chosen to put my name in Jerusalem. I've chosen to put my name on the Temple Mount. That's why. But when you reject that foundational premise, then you are the one. Your politicians become the ones to determine what is true, what is right, what is what should be done, what should not be done, and why. And therein lies our problem. So let's take a look at what's happening right now 
before our eyes with regard to Team Biden setting the stage to reverse the U.S. recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital. They're moving toward a plan to establish a new office of Palestinian affairs in Jerusalem that would act independently of the U.S. ambassador to Israel's office. Independently. In other words, it's almost like a joint embassy or a twofold embassy, one to Israel and one to the Palestinians in the same country. And the move is setting the stage for Team Biden to reverse the Trump administration's policy, which recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. The Israeli government strongly opposes this plan, saying it could be understood as a de facto approval by Team Biden of a Palestinian capital in Jerusalem and a unilateral move to implement that aspect of the two-state solution without even the consent of the Israeli government. And that's exactly what they intend to do. Israeli authorities propose that the U.S. reopen the mission in Ramallah, or Abu Dis, but the PA, or Palestinian Authority, rejected those ideas. The planned U.S. consulate would act as a de facto embassy to the Palestinian Authority in nothing other than Jerusalem a move that violates the intentions of the law, according to a special assistant to former U.S. ambassador to Israel, David Friedman. Opening this diplomatic office to the Palestinians in Jerusalem after the U.S. recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital is making it clear that Jerusalem is part of of Israel and has the same disastrous consequences as opening a formal consulate. This decision is a blatant effort to unravel the implementation of the Jerusalem Embassy Act of 1995 that we talked about earlier and to circumvent Israel's clear opposition to a formal consulate, especially since the Biden administration admits This step is part of its plan to open a consulate, no matter what Israel thinks. So what's the purpose? The purpose behind Team Biden's move is to walk back the U.S. recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital. To erode the sovereignty of Israel over its capital city and signal support for dividing Jerusalem. It's outrageous. It's shameful, and members of Congress should use every tool at their disposal to block implementation of this decision. But will they? Now, we go back to 1995, the very year that we launched this radio program. That's, it was October of that year when the U.S. Congress passed the Jerusalem Embassy Act, 27 years ago. That called for Jerusalem to remain an undivided city and set aside funds for the relocation of the United States Embassy in Israel to be relocated from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem by May of 1999. The law allowed the president to invoke a six-month waiver of the application of the law and reissue the waiver every six months on national security grounds. 
And every president, Republican or Democrat, did that until Donald Trump became president and recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel in December of 2017. The State Department, the U.S. State Department, is circumventing the Israeli government to create an unofficial U.S. consulate to the Palestinians in violation of the law. But it's supported by Joe Biden. It's supported by all of those who are, shall we say, ruling this country as he stumbles up and down the stairs of Air Force One. By trying to appease the Palestinian leadership with this empty gesture, we are hurting our critical ally, Israel, and we're also hurting the United States, we're hurting our national security, our diplomatic efforts, and we're wasting precious U.S. taxpayer money. All of this and more, friends, we are coming into direct and open confrontation with God's own declared conditions with regard to Israel. His own declaration that he put his name in Jerusalem and on the Temple Mount. Why would Team Biden, headed by such illustrious Catholics as Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, why would they be willing to shake their fist directly in the face of the God of the Bible to support this kind of attitude toward Israel, toward Jerusalem, and uh, toward the Temple Mount? Why would they do that? The reality is they are not God-fearing people, as proved by their own attitudes, actions, decisions, and behavior. They are not, no matter what they say. They are not. Actions speak louder than all of your protestations to the contrary. So, this is the situation that we're facing now. But that's not all. The picture is actually bigger than that. And that's what we want to focus here on the program today. Before we get further down the line, though, let me make available to you the book King of the Mountain, the eternal epic end time battle, where he who rules the Temple Mount is deemed to rule the world. I can almost guarantee you have never read a book like it. If you do not have this book, I urge you to get a copy of this book that I wrote, or it was copyrighted in 2013, more relevant today than it was the day it was written. People cannot believe what was seen there in that book. It will help you to understand the dynamics, the greater dynamics of our world right now, the geopolitical moves in our world. Yes, even with regard to Russia and Ukraine. No, we didn't have to mention Ukraine. Because the picture contains it all. It's quite amazing. 
It is a $20 book, yours for $15. King of the Mountain. Remember, Jesus said there in Psalm, 20, uh, Psalm 2, I, or God said, I have set my king on my holy hill. They want to set somebody else up there. But God says, no, I've set my king on my holy hill. So who's going to win the battle? And what are the dynamics that are going to lead to this final, eternal, epic, and end-time battle? We're talking about it right now, right here on Viewpoint today. Get a copy of the book, $15 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org, you can give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. And I do not think you'll be disappointed. King of the Mountain. Now, let us shift just a bit here to the whole issue of anti-Semitism, Jew hatred, and indeed Christian hatred. You see, as it is with Israel, so it is with Christians around the world, real Christians, not pretend Christians, not ones that try to use their so-called Christianity for political power, but real Christians Against Israel and Jewish people, it's called anti-Semitism. Against Christians, it's called persecution. It's the same thing. There is a maniacal Jew hatred and a fanatical loathing of Israel all over the world. But there's also a maniacal Christian hatred and fanatical loathing of Christians all over the world. All over the world including in America. In the United States, which has the largest Jewish population outside of Israel, the number of anti-Jewish hate crimes recorded in both New York and Los Angeles was almost twice that of the previous year. In other words, this is an explosive thing. This is not something that's just happenstance. It's continuing. The pattern is continuing. In France... The number of recorded anti-Semitic incidents increased by nearly 75% compared to the year before. In the UK, the number of recorded physical assaults against Jews increased by 78% compared to the year before. In Germany, anti-Semitic incidents recorded by police were up 29% compared to the year before. In Austria, there were the sharpest rise in recorded anti-Semitic incidents with 88 in, one, uh, in, in May alone. In the Ukraine, with a Jewish population of about 43,000, acts of vandalism against Jews increased by 162% from three years ago. Now, who could ever imagine all of this? In America, a country that supposedly welcomes the stranger, strives mightily for equality, 
where minorities have succeeded beyond their wildest imaginations, there's still a particularly irrational hatred towards Jews. It's, a, it's amazing. Going back to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, whose Jew hatred was exhaustively documented by Dr. Raphael Medoff, among others, and then up to the Ayatollah infatuated Jimmy Carter, who continues to seem, seemingly have a special animus toward Jews in Israel. And then there is the seething hatred of Barack Obama. But who could imagine that in the so-called evolved culture of 2022, that among the most rapidly anti-Semitic people in the world and among the most powerful are those in the Biden regime who currently occupy the White House? Who could have imagined that? But there it is. We'll be back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Again today, we're taking a look at America and Israel in the context of biblical prophecy, looking at the actual developments on the ground that are setting the stage for the final battle for King of the Mountain, the eternal epic and end-time battle, to rule Jerusalem and to rule the Temple Mount, and through the Temple Mount, to actually rule the world. And who could imagine? Who would have imagined, really, that in this so-called evolved culture of 2022, that among the most rapidly anti-Semitic people in the world, among the most powerful are those in the Biden regime who currently occupy the White House. Now, that's not my opinion. This is coming from Israel National News yesterday. Israel National News yesterday. This is current, friends. They go on to say that some of them are apostate Jews, the species that has replaced Judaism with their own fetishistic cult-like religion of social justice, a cult that worships at the altar of political correctness, multiculturalism, and moral relativism. And all of them, again, I'm reading excerpts from the article from Israel National News. All of them, including a large, a huge number of elected members of U.S. Congress, 
are Democrats. And their latest resolution, which calls for the founding of Israel, a catastrophe. Their latest resolution called the founding of Israel a catastrophe. Now, we're going to take a look at some of the the actual words and phrases reflecting Joe Biden's animus toward Israel. In fact, it goes back decades. So here are just a few headlines out of thousands. One, Biden is no friend of Israel. Next, Biden to visit Jerusalem to tell the world Zion belongs to the Muslims. Next, Biden's State Department strongly opposes new Jewish homes in Israel. Next, Biden institutes rules forbidding U.S. soldiers from non-official travel to Israel. Next, why is the Biden administration determined to help terrorist Iran get a bomb? There are, I have in front of me, numerous names from the Biden administration currently, all who have a long history of advocating for anti-Semitism, spewing anti-Semitic statements. They are all part of the Biden administration. But one in particular, I'm looking at Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, who is Jewish. He has praised the radical anti-Israel J Street as a constructive force and opposed designating the murderous terrorist Iranic Islamic Revolutionary Guards as a foreign terror organization. He's heading up our State Department. The young lady, Karine Jean-Pierre, the current White House press secretary, former head of the far-left anti-IsraelMoveOn.org, has praised lawmakers for boycotting pro-Israel groups and accused Israel of war crimes. We don't have time to go through all of these. They are way, way too many. But the pictures are all here in the article coming from Israel National News. These are the people that Israel and Israel's leaders are looking at and saying, how in the world can we possibly trust the Biden administration with regard to the interests of Israel? Can't. Their words, their rhetoric reveals their animus. Now, this is not a good thing because God said to Abraham, I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. Are we, through all of these anti-Semitic and anti-Jew and anti-Israel viewpoints and hatred, are we setting ourselves up for destruction? What do you think? And this is just one of the things, not to mention our animus toward God himself. 
by refusing to embrace his word, his will, and his ways with regard to our way of life here, with regard to our sexual behavior, with regard to virtually anything having to do with God's intended purpose for humankind. But there's another interesting thing taking place. This is very interesting, friends. In Israel, Foreign Minister Yair Lapid and Justice Minister Gideon Saar have requested that Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett remove his veto of an anti-Netanyahu bill and allow them to pass it. Now, what is this about? This bill would prevent anyone charged, not convicted, charged with a criminal offense from serving as prime minister. Now, what's the purpose of this bill? Is only one purpose. It has to, nothing to do with their desire to prevent people who have, might have been charged with a crime from becoming prime minister. It has to do with one person, and that's Benjamin Netanyahu. They hate him with a purple passion. And they're trying to do everything they can to circumvent even the law by creating other laws to prevent him from becoming prime minister again because everything that they have tried to con uh, concoct against him is failing. They've charged him with all these different crimes. He's gone to trial. They haven't convicted him. And they so desperately want to. So now they're saying, well, we're not going to rely upon a conviction if somebody has just been charged with a crime. We're going to prevent them from becoming prime minister. So much for due process, right? In other words, they're convicting Benjamin Netanyahu before he's even been tried, before a verdict is ever rendered. Why? because they do not want him in leadership in Israel. Why don't they want him in leadership in Israel? Because Benjamin Netanyahu, like Donald Trump in America, stood for the best interests of Israel and was against globalism. Are you listening? I hope you're listening. This is huge. At the same time they're doing this against Benjamin Netanyahu, they've been throwing everything else that they can at Donald Trump, now including the so-called January 6th Commission, trying to throw even the kitchen sink at him by a theatrical production of choreographed deception with no opposition whatsoever, no ability afforded to portray truth or to cross-examine the statements being made by these professional obfuscators sitting on this panel. The purpose, Mark Levin or Levine, however you want to pronounce his name, 
said the purpose of the January 6th committee is to imprison Trump, destroy the Electoral College, and nationalize the voting system. He's right. He is absolutely right. He is a Jewish voice, and he is speaking the truth concerning our political situation in America. One of the most vocal Democrats of the committee, Representative Jamie Raskin of Maryland, is pushing the panel to recommend the U.S. abolish the Electoral electoral College. Why? Because they don't want a republic. They want pure democracy so that they can have ultimate control. It's not about democracy at all. The committee has only one mission, to concoct a fake hoax around January 6th based on criminal charges against Trump to prevent him from running and taking back the White House. Exactly the same thing that is happening in Israel. And for exactly the same reasons. Their hatred of a man who would stand for his nation rather than a new world order. All of the members of the January 6th panel are globalists and supporters of the new world order and the Great Reset. They said, we are not going to allow this man, Donald Trump, who has openly stated he is against globalism, he's against this new world order, he's going to make America great again. We are not going to let that happen. No matter what happens, we are not going to let that happen. We'll do whatever we have to do to keep him out of office. The same thing is happening in Israel against Benjamin Netanyahu. What do you make of all this? We shift now back to Israel. We're going to take a look at some unique statistics that are coming out that are helping us to see that, in fact, we are on the near edge of the second coming. Stay tuned, friends. This is you. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Seventy-five million Americans openly demonstrated their strong support for Donald J. Trump. 
in the 2020 election. We're not here to argue about fraud and all of that. It's a given. Yes, it's been proven, but none of it has been allowed into evidence because of the forces in favor of globalism. But 75 million people being frustrated through so-called legal efforts to prevent Mr. Trump from running again. Well, the same is true in Israel. Exactly the same. Previous efforts by the current Prime Minister, Naftali Bennett, and other Yamina members of the Knesset had vetoed this bill to make it impossible for Benjamin Netanyahu to run again as prime minister. And they vetoed the bill because they feared that passing it would bring tens of thousands of Israelis to the streets in protest, causing chaos. What do you think is concerned here in America? Exactly the same thing. Therefore, anybody who would protest is by definition a terrorist. That's what the January 6th committee is seeking to prove. That anyone who would protest what they did and their hatred of Donald Trump must be a terrorist. And so they brought sedition charges against some of the more prominent leaders. The same thing is happening in Israel. As with Israel, so with America. As with America, so with Israel. As with the anti-Semitism, so with the persecution. And these are with the two countries, the only two countries in the history of the world that purported to have a godly covenantal birth and foundation. This is as America's current government is on the edge of collapse, as even the Democratic Party and its leaders are now admitting, much to their chagrin, They're admitting the same is true in Israel. Here's the heading. Israel's anti-Netanyahu government is on the brink of collapse. In America, America's anti-Trump government is on the brink of collapse. What's going to happen? We shift from there to the Jerusalem Post. A fascinating article, Israel expected to become the most crowded Western country by 2050. The Jewish state is on the way to becoming the world's most crowded Western country in less than three decades. The committee dealt with the impact of the loss of open spaces on the well-being of the younger generation. The Forum for Population, Environment, and Society 
indicated that by 2050, the country's population could grow to more than 17.5 million residents. Right now, it's right around 10 million, with about almost 8 million of those Jews. The open spaces are disappearing at a dizzying rate. The state of Israel would become the most crowded Western country with over 800 people per square kilometer. According to the Jerusalem Post, we are in an existential crisis. Instead of crowding the cities, people are taking over the agricultural green areas. In other words, it's like grasshoppers coming in and eating up all the green. Did you know that the Bible specifically talks about this situation? It says, do not build wall to wall. In other words, leave open spaces. People need the open spaces. Now, a lot of that has been recognized in residential development and so on in the United States, and that's good. But in Israel, the pressure is increasing. Why is the pressure increasing? Well, here's a hint. From Israel National News... Today, hundreds of Ethiopian Jews arrive in Israel. It's a historic decision by the Knesset. The government has taken decades to implement this decision. What is it about? It's about the Falash Mura, the Jew, uh, is Ethiopian Jews that have been waiting for years and years in camps under dangerous circumstances, to make Aliyah to Israel. In other words, to go up to the land of Israel where they are entitled by law to live as genuine Jews. God said in his word, through numerous of the prophets, that I'm going to bring them back Yes, I've dispersed them throughout the face of the earth because of their rebellion against me, but I am going to bring my people back to Eretz Israel, the land of Israel. Why? Because God said, I have given that land to them as an eternal leasehold or inheritance. The land belongs to God. He said so. It's my land, he said. It's not, it's not the Jewish land, it's God's land that he has given an eternal leasehold to Israel. And so, these are the end times, the end of the end times, and they are coming back. And the Ethiopian Jews are some of the last ones to be coming back. They have been held out for a variety of reasons for years. And now the Knesset has finally made a historic and bold decision to allow them to come in. Well, it's about time. But you see, the problem is absorption. How do you absorb all of these Jewish people? In this country, Joe Biden has decided to absorb anybody whether or not they're entitled to come. 
He's lawless. In Israel, the issue is not lawlessness. The issue is how are we going to absorb all of these people that are coming in to this small nation? Do we have the infrastructure to be able to do this? Through the Russian-Ukrainian war, many more Jewish people have made Aliyah. Increasingly because of the growing anti-Semitism throughout the Western world, more and more Jewish people in the Western world are making Aliyah to Israel. As things become more and more troubled in the United States of America, particularly as a result of the Biden administration and its, uh, not just the Biden administration, but the whole Democratic Party and its viewpoint concerning economics, concerning uh, all of these various decisions that are absolutely destroying the economy of the wealthiest, strongest, heretofore nation on the planet. Destroying it. Intentionally. These things are not happening negligently. They're happening purposefully. Why? To reduce America's standing in the world economically, militarily, and in every other way so that we will cry to be part of the new world order. That's why. Part of the Great Reset. It's intent. But what's going to happen to the Jewish people who begin to realize, whoa, we thought this was the place for prosperity, and now we're seeing it is not. What are they likely to do? Change their minds and make their way back to Israel. Oh, then what? If Israel's already facing an existential crisis with regard to the anticipated number of people making Aliyah over the next 30 years, what would happen if there's an explosion? What would happen if the 5.5 million Jews in America suddenly decide, this ain't no place for me anymore? I'm going to make Aliyah. Now what? Where are they going to be put? How is Israel going to deal with this situation? Well, in one sense, it's God's problem. It's God's problem because God did not just give Israel the land that you and I and our politicians look at as the land of Israel. God gave Israel the land from the river of Egypt the Nile, all the way up to the Euphrates River that runs through Syria all the way up to Turkey. Did you know that? The land that God actually gave to Abraham and his descendants is three to four times as large, maybe more than that, than what Israel currently occupies. In other words, there will be plenty of land. The question is, how is that land going to be freed up? That's what we remain 
to see. Because geopolitics is not over. What happens if and when Israel has a major discovery of oil? What happens then? Then we have a whole new dynamic that comes into the picture. Wealth beyond measure. What then is going to be the attitude of the nations? Is it possible that even with Joe Biden's attitudes toward oil and gas and what he has done to facilitate this move toward a new global order by diminishing our ability to produce our own oil and gas is precisely that which is going to inure ultimately to Israel's benefit when she reveals she has, or he has, massive oil at his disposal. You see, to use a phrase in popular conversation these days, the fat lady hasn't sung yet. No. In other words, everything that is going to happen has not happened yet. So stay tuned. In the meantime, seeing then that all these things are happening as described in the Scripture, should you and not, I not be making serious, serious preparations in our own lives for the second coming of Christ. Because he's not coming back for a bride with spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. He just isn't. He's not going to tolerate sin. He's not going to tolerate unrighteousness. In fact, the Bible says he's going to judge the world in righteousness. So, do you have clean hands and a pure heart? Are you sure? From God's viewpoint, maybe it's time for a little revival in each one of our individual lives. What do you think? Consider it. Get a copy of the book, King of the Mountain. $15 to put the $20 book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Open your eyes. God bless and give us You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.